All right, time for some Chip Chat. Chip Gibbons is here. Hey, Chip. Hello, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Chip is a journalist, policy director over at Defending Rights and Dissent that he speaks only on his own behalf each week on this show. And this week we're talking about the new movie, Judas and the Black Messiah. You can, uh, I guess it's streaming on HBO Max. It's one of the only places you can watch it right now since, is it in theaters? Can you go to theaters? Are people, are theaters still open? Do they exist? You could go to a movie theater if you would like to get COVID. Yeah. We don't recommend that. Um, I don't. Get the free trial of HBO Max if you haven't yet and just watch it through there. Um, I'm actually a pretty big fan of HBO Max as far as streaming services go. I think it currently has probably the best content because of the um, it has a good collection of like international films and the Turner Classic Movie Curated Collection is quite good. Mm. Well, well it, it's still a good move to uh, sign up for the free trial of something and then to uh, walk away. And uh, we over here at our house did that with Showtime uh, to watch The Good Lord Bird, the uh, series about uh, John Brown based on a novel. And also the uh, docu-series on the Reagans is on Showtime. Those are Those are two good shows that... You can watch and just cancel your free uh, Showtime subscription. I watched I watched both of those and uh, enjoyed them. I know people have lots of opinions on Good Lord Bird, but I I thoroughly enjoyed the series as I was watching it. I only, Onion. <laughs> I only watched two episodes of it. And oh, not. Chip did not like it. Well, maybe we should save this for another uh, episode since we've already got this one planned out. Um, so I uh. We've both we've all seen the movie. I'm guessing there are listeners who haven't seen the movie, though. I'm sure they know how this story ends, so I'm not too worried about spoiling it for them. But uh, if you're concerned at all about anything being spoiled in the movie, um, perhaps you should skip the next 15 to 20 minutes of chip chat here and then catch it after you watch the movie. So turning to the movie now. Uh, Chip, uh, why don't you just start, I guess, with with your initial thoughts uh, watching the film? Well, I know there are some criticisms of the focus on 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 William O'Neill, um, but my overall thoughts about the film are fairly positive. I think anytime you have a Hollywood film that's going to be portraying either Fred Hampton, the Black Panthers, or the FBI, I get a little bit concerned, given that you know the Black Panthers are one of the most misunderstood and maligned groups in U.S. history. People either sort of uh, paint them wrongly and abhorrently as like the black equivalent of the Ku Klux Klan, which the FBI agent in this movie does repeatedly, or they just sort of co-opt their uh, aesthetics and and banish their radical politics. The FBI, you know, benefited from decades of Hollywood propaganda at the height of the Red Scare, the second Red Scare. They were churning out films like I Was a Communist for the FBI about an FBI informant in the Communist Party. Uh, Hollywood did quite a bit to to glorify our nation's political police. Today we have this phenomenon of all these ridiculous cop shows on on the television. Uh, thankfully, I don't own a television, so I can't subject myself to those things. But you know, that's that's what's going on. So, but what but the first literally the first scene we see Fred Hampton in, he's giving one of his most famous quotes, which is you know. 
we don't think you fight fire with fire. We don't think you fight racism with racism. You fight racism with solidarity. You fight, you don't fight capitalism with black capitalism. You fight capitalism with socialism. So the very first time we see Fred Hampton, he is talking about socialism. And and, and from that point on, the next thing we talk, we see him at, you know, he's at this college They've, they've had the name changed to Malcolm X College, and he goes off about how this is just liberal reformism, and liberal reformism is about making slaves into better slaves, and that, you know, the solution is, the problem is the capitalists. We see them giving political education about Mao. Um, so it really does capture Fred Hampton's socialist politics. You know, the Black Panthers were also very explicitly internationalist. They saw their movement as part of a larger global movement that included the revolution in Cuba, uh, the national liberation struggles in Vietnam, Algeria, Palestine. And, and that doesn't so much come across. But, you know, Fred Hampton is a socialist and you get a, a decent picture of what socialism is and about. And, you know, he's a revolutionary socialist. So I, I think in that sense, it's very uh, successful at portraying Hampton's politics and, and goes beyond what I would have hoped for or hoped for going into it. Uh, and in terms of portraying the FBI, I mean, you know, Parts of the film are obviously fictionalized, and whenever you fictionalize things, you, you make choices. But but overall, I think it's a fairly decent uh, snapshot of the FBI's bad actions um, with without becoming didactic. The title, uh, Jews and the Black Messiah, of course, uh, refers to an infamous uh, March 4th, 1968 letter sent to 41 FBI field offices outlining the goals of the black of the cointel pro, pro counterintelligence program against quote-unquote black nationalist black hate groups uh that has a number of, of goals one of which is preventing the rise of the black messiah the black messiah at the time or no, i'm sorry preventing the rise of a messiah who can unify and electrify the black nationalist movement it then goes on to give uh people who they think might be the messiah Martin Luther King, who was then one month to the day murdered, um, Elijah Muhammad, Stokely Carmichael. Uh, this letter very disturbingly talks about how Malcolm X could have been the Messiah, but we may quote unquote martyr instead. Uh, deduct from that what you will. But, you know, the Black Panthers then run in the sight of the FBI. But a few months later, you know, Hoover announces they're the greatest threat to the internal security of the United States, and of the 295 operations authorized under the Black Nationalist COINTELPRO program, 233 of them are authorized against the Black Panther Party. So the bulk of the Black Nationalist COINTELPRO program was directed at the Black Panthers, even though they were not the original target of it. And we know from the uh, landmark Senate investigation into the intelligence services that the Black Nationalist COINTELPRO program was the most vicious and violent of any of the COINTELPRO programs. So broadly speaking, the movie... Uh appeared to well it didn't appear to it, it the movie's politics uh were correct in how it sort of portrayed the fbi and the black panthers uh not to get too nitpicky here but can you talk to uh speak to the historical accuracy of uh various things that happened in the movie 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, it, it, it's it's a film, right? The the Black Messiahs memo is sort of turned into this uh, Hoover speech to the FBI. There's probably no record Hoover ever gave a speech like that. Um, but right, like having Hoover give a speech that is a composite of various things that were in uh, memos, it's not verbatim quoting the FBI memo, they sort of change it from uh, a messiah that will unify and electrify the black nationalist movement to a, a black messiah that will um, unite the communists, the anti-war new left, which is, you know, I'm being nitpicky here, right? So like, stuff like that, it's not, you know, it's true to the history will also be engaging as a Hollywood film. Um, I was on a panel discussion on this Antita Jackson uh, program on Tuesday uh, about about the film. And, you know, one of the other panelists brought up the fact that he didn't like the film because it focused on, you know, William O'Neill, the FBI informant. Um, and he made two criticisms about the portrayal of, of the FBI informant that I also had, which is that, you know, they left out um, some of his worst acts, right? William O'Neill, the FBI informant, one of the things he did was he made an electric chair to get the Black Panthers to try to use it on informants. Um, and he also was involved in trying to incite violence between the Panthers and the uh, Blackstone Rangers, which are some people consider to be a gang. Um, so I, I, I do think in putting the focus on William O'Neill, they, they made him more sympathetic than he should be. I also found a couple of the scenes with Roy, Roy Wilkins, Roy Wilkinson, the F, his FBI handler. They made him out to be better than I think he should have been made, right? There's this scene where Hoover comes in and, and says these crazy racist things and, and he looks shocked. Um, and, you know, once again, you know, we don't know if Hoover said those things to him or not. But in real life, uh, this FBI agent got two different um $200 incentive pay bonuses authorized by Hoover because it was handling over O'Neill, who also got a uh, bonus incentive. And that's, and, it, it, and that's and of course, the, uh, the, the agent also uh, in the movie claims he's for civil rights and worked on uh, the murder of civil rights workers in the South who are uh, registering voters and such. That's and... true. Sorry? He did work that case in real life. Ah, interesting. Roy, well, yeah, this is his second cinematic portrayal since technically the fictional character in Mississippi Burning is based off of the same agent. Yes, he was the head of the, he is in his involvement in the FBI's racial intelligence investigations. He did work the case of the civil rights workers who were killed. Yes, that is actually true. Well, the, not- I, I, I mean, the the film, and I guess I can under understand those criticisms raised about the portrayal of O'Neill and the FBI agent. I mean, they play they pick Jesse Plemons to play the agent, who's probably one of the best actors at portraying bad guys of our time right now. So uh, hard to hard to find much of a redeeming quality in that character, and even that scene with Hoover, which you know probably didn't exist, uh, it's washed away by the agent's actions later in the movie, yes. and. Um, and O'Neill, who uh, they portray as at times struggling with his task here, um, you know, that all is washed away by the decisions he decides to make, particularly the way the movie ends when uh, they discuss his interview, his real life interview yes. and what he talks about. I mean, you're watching him try to um, not necessarily justify his actions, but ask to explain his actions. And the answer he gives just you're like, 
you're like, what? What is this guy on? And it sort of makes sense when you learn what happened right after that interview. And I don't want to, I guess, give away that part, but. That's not really a spoiler. It's in well, page. I, yeah. I mean, maybe people like, yeah, well, uh, so. Um, Everyone and, is dead. Okay. Yes. He, he, he kills himself. Allegedly. <laughs> His wife disputes that. Oh, really? Yeah. He was killed by traffic. Uh, the coroner ruled it was a suicide, but his wife claims it was an accident. He jumped in front of front of cars on a freeway item, you know. Yeah. Official explanation is suicide. His wife disputes it, says it was an accident. Um, the day he kills himself is the day a documentary he's, for the first time interviewed in, uh, premieres on PBS. Keep the eye on the prize part two. Mm-hmm. Well... Other than that, as we said, the politics in the movie are pretty generally good. Yes. I mean, I'm trying to find a movie that uh, portrays police in a more accurate lens. Uh, they don't hold any punches when it comes to uh, talking about murdering pigs. Um, there, There is no sort of softening of the of Hampton's anti-capitalist message uh, in the film. Um the U.S. government and police are routinely referred to as fascist. Um, what this is a film obviously put forward by a, a major motion picture studio, Warner Brothers, um, and I, I know that you know often revolutionary politics and dissent are sort of just subsumed into cultural uh, totems and given to people as commodities, and film is very much part of this um but what is the point of this like what why how does why does this movie get made in our in our country in our current situation like does does a movie like this inspire people i don't know about that i mean maybe it sends a message that this is what happens to revolutionaries um how does a movie get made what is the purpose of a movie like this getting made chip i don't I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, my feelings about the film are quite positive. I'm glad it was made. It's going to introduce this history to people who have never heard it. People will probably go in thinking the Black Panthers are like crazy terrorists, and they'll hear a very lucid Fred Hampton uh, going and working with like white self-described hillbillies from Appalachia to write, you know, on on a common purpose. Um, so, so in my Jacob interview that's going to come out, I mean, my, my ultimate verdict is very positive on the film. I just, you know, I have gotten some pushback from people for saying good things about the film because of the focus on O'Neill. So I feel the need to, to acknowledge that. But my, my ultimate feeling is the film is quite positive. And I don't think it could have come at a better time, right? We're seeing sort of a quote-unquote democratic socialist moment. Is that the same as the... Marxist, Leninist, revolutionary socialism of the Black Panthers, but we're having a bit of a socialist moment. We're having these uprisings against police brutality and white supremacism uh, renewed by the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And, and people are grappling with this question of how do we, how do we struggle against uh, racial oppression and capitalist exploitation in relation to one another. And a lot of the answers are sophistic, right? right? They're sophistry, right? You get like, well, if you just close your eyes and pretend race that doesn't exist, the working class will magically become united. Or you get these sorts of weird, like, neoliberal wolf identity politics nonsense where they say things like, 
oh, breaking up the banks won't solve racism. But it's like, no, no, they won't. Um, but, you know, Hampton and the Black Panthers gives us an example of how to challenge racial oppression within an anti-capitalist socialist framework. It's one example of how to do that. But it's it's one of example of a number of movements that have existed in American history that very much viewed the struggles of races against racial oppression and against capitalist exploitation as being inherently intertwined, right? And and you could have a unified struggle against both those things. And I, I, a lot of people are grappling with how do they do that now? And you know, the Communist Party in Alabama in the 30s. The Black Panthers in, in the 60s and 70s, you know, various groups have had uh, much better luck tackling this issue than the contemporary U.S. left. And I would invite people to to go back and um, look at them. There has been a report on uh, a website called thegrio.com that in the wake of this movie, there is a renewed push by uh, members of Congress, which is building off of prior pushes from previous years, but there is a renewed push by members of Congress to remove J. Edgar Hoover's name from the FBI headquarters. It almost seems a little ironic in the context of what you were talking about earlier with Fred Hampton sort of deriding, uh, you know, the ultimate goal of renaming uh, colleges after black leaders like Malcolm X. And I'm not saying that, it wouldn't be uh, a step in a positive direction to have J. Edgar's name removed off this building, uh, but it sort of misses the point of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I think J. Edgar Hoover's name needs to come off the FBI building. I'm not a big fan of symbolic actions per se, but when it comes to like statutes of like confederate traitors or j edgar hoover's name on the fbi building i feel very passionately that this is something that is inappropriate for our society i've done lobbying to members of congress to try to get them to change uh the name of the fbi building to the don edwards fbi building don edwards was a member of congress who authored along with john conyers the fbi first Amendment protection act he chaired the uh Judiciary Committee Subcommittee on Civil Liberties in the 80s and did a lot of oversight of the FBI's abusive investigations into CISPIS. He was a critic of HUAC. He also was a former FBI agent who wanted to become their biggest critic in Congress. So I think maybe he should have the FBI building named after him, not, you know, Hoover, who was uh, my least favorite American president. The worst American presidents, in my opinion, were uh, J. Edgar Hoover, Dick Cheney, and Alexander Haig. Um, um, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're missing the point, but it should be done. What's more important to me, though, is that there is going to be a congressional push, uh, unrelated to the movie, but well-timed to get Merrick Garland to release the remainder of information on, uh, the FBI's killing of Fred Hampton. As some of you know, I, uh, there was new documents that came out about the Hampton killing in um, December of 2020, thanks to the researcher Aaron Leonard, and he gave them to the uh, lawyers in the wrongful death suit, Jeffrey Haas uh, and um, Flint Taylor. Uh, Jeffrey Haas, of course, was a guest on the Still Spine podcast, and I did an event between 
still spying in truth out, you can watch called Fred Hampton Fight for Truth, where I talk to Jeff and Flint about their decades long struggle to expose what happened to Hampton and what new documents mean. And right before we went live, uh, Representative Bobby Rush called Flint Taylor up and, and told him that he is going to be pursuing getting these files released. And I've been working with his office. I guess I can say that I've been working with his office to, to do so. And there's going to be a big push, a big push with a number of people um, to end groups to get these documents released. This is a secret district council offering. Don't don't feel letting the cat out of the bag. But there's going to be a big push to do this after Merrick Garland, assuming he's nom is nominated attorney general. So that's what I'm most excited about. And, I, and I'm hoping from there we can you know sort of talk about uh, the whole wealth of FBI information that is sitting at NARA and cannot be pro uh, processed in a reasonable time. Uh, the founder of my organization, um, Frank Wilkinson, had a 132,000-page FBI file. The FBI had to give it to NARA, so they so both of the FBI couldn't have it, and so researchers could. But if you're a researcher who wants that file, it takes 152 years to process, right? Mm -hmm. It's that big. Um, so there's just tons of information at NARA that would take decades, in some cases, 152 years to to process about the FBI and you know, Congress could pass a bill to give them the resources to create an FBI working group to actually go through and process this information in a timely way. And, and, and the National Archives are not the enemy, right? I've dealt with the FBI and they will obfuscate you and try to abuse the FOIA process. But NARA generally, you know, wants information in the public and they really do just have resource constraints. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm, take J. Edgar Hoover's name off the FBI building I'm 100% for that, but also, you know, release the Fred Hampton files and create an FBI working group under the auspices of the National Archivist. Yeah, I guess the problem would be... People too, I guess we could ask for that as well. Stop killing and destroying groups, but, you know... I guess the problem would be, be Democrats renaming the FBI building and just stopping there, being like, we've solved it. We've solved this problem of, of racism and FBI abuse by just changing the, the name on the building. I learned that the Democrats uh, introduced legislation in the last week or so that would prohibit Donald Trump from being buried at Arlington National Cemetery and prohibit all presidents that have been impeached twice yes. from that honor. <laughs> Which I honestly hope becomes law so that the historical record includes Democrats having to defend Bill Clinton forever, who was only impeached once, and that Bill Clinton is the reason why we made it twice impeached. Uh, but uh, Bill I didn't want to be buried at Arlington. How many? Is, how well, it's many... not just Arlington. It's a lot of other honors as well. Like yeah, you can't, can't have any buildings after him yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so w when it comes to these documents that, that haven't been released regarding Fred Hampton's murder, uh, I mean, it, 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 there's, there's plenty of evidence already that exists, uh, that he was straight up murdered. Um, is, 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 is there something in these documents that might include like, I guess a smoking gun for, for that would, get the FBI and police the off of their talking came, points on this? The documents that came out in December of 2020, January 2021, which took five years to be processed, and it is Wilkinson's, uh, Wilkins' FBI file of the FBI agent, they show that J. Edgar Hoover approved uh, incentive pay 
So for the first time, you have a direct connection between the raid and Hoover. Um, I mean, yes, I think most people know what happens, but like saying we don't need the records to prove this, we already know, is not a very good position to take. We discussed this on Fred Hampton Fight for Truth about how sort of annoyed we, the, the lawyers were, the Hampton lawyers were, who had people like, well, everyone already knew this. And it's like, you know, we've spent decades trying to prove this, like in court and elsewhere, like, sure, we already knew this, but having the document that says it is, is very different. And I also just think, you know, as a matter of historical truth, I mean, these FBI documents should be should be in the public record and researchers should have access to them. No doubt there will be uh, obnoxious people online being like, duh, we already knew this. No we big deal. And it's like, you know, it's a big deal to the people who knew Fred Hampton, right? The people who yeah. knew him when he was alive and have spent decades, you know, saying this was the case and trying to prove it, right? They, it's a big deal to them. Maybe in your, like, nihilistic Twitter bubble, you know, where nothing ever matters and you're a, a, a cynic. Right, fine, it doesn't matter. But to the people who actually can tell you their memories of knowing Fred Hampton and working with him, this is a huge fucking deal to them. So log off the fucking internet and shut up. <laughs> Touched a nerve there. Uh, same exact people uh, who've been melting down for days over the Corella DeVille uh, trailer as I like. Not <laughs> about that one. I don't really think we should make movies that celebrate animal abusers. <sighs> All I right. Really stay, with that. stay tuned for next week's chip chat where we tackle the Cruella getting, trailer. And then the week after that, we'll take on the Mortal Kombat film coming out in a few yeah, weeks. Yeah, I heard Jezebel got themselves in a bit of a uh, embarrassment. I didn't see that. Bit of an embarrassment. They said that Chun Li was a Mortal Kombat character. Oh. <laughs> Get a whole article like why is Chun Li oh from Mortal Kombat movie? And then the, they had an up, like, update. We find out the reason she's been excluded is she's not actually part of the Mortal Kombat universe. <laughs> Street Fight, uh, universe, Street Fighter. Not in the Looney Tunes um, reboot. Were they talking about erasure of like? Yeah. Yes. And then they erased Chun Li. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of other Asian fighters in the Mortal Kombat universe who are portrayed. The main character? In the film. Uh, there's Liu Kang. There's. Uh, there are women. There's Sonya Blade. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, Milena. There's Jade. There's. Uh... Anya. That's how my mind has been warped by the Trump years. <laughs> Well, I think we've honestly uh, articles about Chun Li are probably like the only. Uh, never mind, I'm not going to say that. Let's uh, let's uh, let's, let's end this before on. we uh, all get into uh, some trouble here. Chip Gibbons, thanks I for coming on. I just want to express my opposition to films glorifying animal abusers again. Um, I will be chaining myself to the theater. Chip, are you aware that Cruella Deville was not a real person? It doesn't matter if she's real or not. Okay. <laughs> She's a despicable human being who, and we're going to make a film turning her into a hero? No. I mean, the FBI informant and I was an aged, aged a, a communist for the FBI isn't real either. Is it okay to make movies that glorify being an FBI informant? Why don't I make a movie about a lovable war criminal? I'm guessing you didn't it's too like late Joker for me. I'm, either. I'm already cruelified. <sighs> Chip Gibbons, follow him on Twitter at Chip Gibbons eighty nine. What what else are you working on? Anything else you want to plug here? 
other than your next appearance on this show next week? My next appearance on this show next week, I definitely want to plug. Um, but um, so the Still Spying podcast was a limited podcast series that has technically come to an end. The final episode tells the story of Frank Wilkinson, the sort of founder of Defending Rights and Dissent through some name changes and mergers of organizations. Uh, who had a 132,000-page FBI file. He was a Los Angeles Public Housing Authority. The FBI gave his FBI file to the developers, who used that to destroy his public housing project, which became Dodger Stadium. Uh, and the FBI also knew about an attempted assassination against him and did nothing to stop it. Uh, you can hear about all of that at stillspying.org. There it is. Thank you, Chip.